This week's Better on Draft discusses the news and articles that have been roaming around through the craft beer world. Wendy discusses trend spotting from Kevin McGee, Anderson Valley Brewing Company's president. Ken discusses the future of NA beverages, including potentially NARTDs. Rob discusses the benefits of what a union could bring to breweries and its employees. And Dan asks if draft beer is a sustainable business model going forward. All this and more on this week's episode of the Better on Draft Craft Beer News. Welcome, everybody, to the news segment, April 22nd, 2022. My name is Ken. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. If you're listening via the podcast, of course, you can check out the video over at our YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash better on draft. Check out plenty of our previous videos, including our most recent interview with James Boyd over at the World Expo of Beer. Let's go around and see what everyone is drinking, starting with Daniel. Hey, still working on that Bud Light next. And got me some more Stoli Blueberry and Soda. Robert, what about you? Uh, for me, right now, I've got a Pine Trail Pale from uh, Big Drop Brewing as another NA. Wendy? So, uh, since we just spoke with the JCs, I have a Sun King Technicolor Dream Cat that I got through a JC conference. Um, it's super tasty. I'm so excited to drink this. Uh, for myself, I am on the Cornerman Red uh, from Brew Detroit. And then mm-hmm. I am also drinking, which it might be hard to see just because it's black on black on black. Um, but how many skulls from Mothfire? So with that in mind, we are going to start with the news. Uh, in our chat, of course, you can join us live. We start at 7 p.m. Eastern Fridays. Gluten-free Brian, uh, who is a guest on the show, is drinking a uh, gluten-free stout and maybe some moonshine. Uh, so Ooh. it looks like he's having a fun night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but as we start with the news, I am going to send it over to Rob. Rob, what story do you got for us today? Oh, so the story that I have, actually, it's it's been a while since we got to the news. So so this one is kind of dating back to last month, but I still feel like it's relevant. So I was keeping this one in here. Uh, so back in March, uh, workers at City Brewing's Latrobe, Pennsylvania-based facility had returned to work uh, after going on strike for a week. Uh, there was a new contract between city management and IUE CWA Locals 22 and 144 uh, that was ratified um like I said, back in March, uh, after being tentatively agreed to um, a couple of days prior to that. Uh, and this was as reported by uh, the Tribune Review uh, out in Pennsylvania. Um, now, there's a, there was a four-year contract passed with 78% of the vote of members uh, from both local groups. Um, now, the IUE CWA Local 22 represents about 50 workers at the brewery, while the IUE CWA Local 144 represents about 145. And the strike actually came about after complaints that were being made uh, by the local 22 with allegations of city leadership um, making changes to the contract, refusing to furnish in for information and changing terms or of conditions of employment. Uh, I really was not aware of this when, when I looked at this, uh, when I prior to looking at this, uh, but uh, city brewing is, the nation's largest contract brewer with a clientele uh, the likes of Boston Beer and Pabst uh, having produced 32% of Boston Beer Co. shipment volume in uh, 2021. 
another fact about the location is that they can brew about eight times a day with batches averaging 525 barrels in volume. That's a lot of beer. Uh, so really with this article, it kind of got me thinking with a lot of there, there seems to be a lot of union talk that is going on. Obviously, there's this, there was this issue going on with City Brewing. Uh, there's been an issue with uh, Starbucks employees that have wanted to unionize. Um, I was curious from 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 your perspectives, would it do well for the brewing industry? Uh, obviously, we have a whole bunch of small business brewers. Um, you know, mid-level brewers. I mean, obviously there's, there's all the different levels of brewers and numbers of employees. Um, and, you know, there's some that don't even have 20, let alone 50. Um, but do you think there would be a benefit in brewery employees unionizing across a local area? We'll just say um, trait like brewery districts where you have this metropolitan Detroit area, for example, where all of the employees of all of the local breweries in the area are in a union and so forth, moving across regions, going across the state and across the country. Uh, I'm going to go with Dan on this one first. So I don't know what kind of benefits can 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 it actually bring to these smaller companies. I guess if it could bring them some benefit Mm -hmm. in some way, but I guess I don't know much about it as far as that goes. So, you know, I don't know what unions can do for them. So I know unions help in bigger situations where you have a lot of employees, but what can it really do for a smaller group of them? Do they really have the leverage or the power to do anything for them? I mean, I don't know if there's, I guess that's the thing. I'm not sure. Um, I, I guess I was trying to figure out like what, what would there be the benefit? I mean, other than, um, you know, kind of thinking benefits, I I know there's a lot of breweries that are out there that uh, supply health insurance, 401ks and and things of that nature. Um, So I don't know, maybe something like being in the union to be able to, to have that provided. Um, (laughs) I, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure. (laughs) It's a a tough one. Yeah, it's a yeah. tough one because, you know, these smaller companies, you know, you have 10 employees, they they may not want to deal with having a union in there. You know what I mean? So it might just right. end up being where they're just like, nah, y'all can go instead of, you know, dealing with the union at that point. So it's it's tough to say what it could do for that small of an employment, like especially between these individual breweries. So I guess that's the thing. Is it is it too small? I, I don't know. Ken, you look like you got something. I mean, so... I think first things first is the the conversation is going to go one of two ways. If you're pro union, you're going to be pro union. If you're not, you're not. Like there there is no like mm-hmm. oh, I'm kind of pro like there there's a lot of half half asseries with people especially local who might be more against specific unions. Like you might have an issue with the teachers union or the UAW or mm-hmm. you know, a specific union, but unionization as a whole if there is a need for unionization, then yes, 1000% a union needs to come about. But the reason that a union would need to come about is the need of a union. Like, you don't need a union till you need a union. Um, my personal opinion, obviously. Um, right. So if these breweries are not, if they're paying fair wages, if people are making their tips, if a lot of them are doing health insurance and... Um, you know, whatever other benefits, PTO, you know, bereavement, um, 
you know, you what, what's the FMLA? All the all the if you if you're getting your benefits, you're getting your pay, you're 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 careering, or you're you know making a, a stop, or you're getting a second job. Like if all these things are happening, and there's no reason for you to have a union, or no reason for you to need a union, then there's no reason to. And I know a lot of people will come into the comments and they'll say something along the lines of, you know, um, there are a lot of. Uh, you know, if you, the time you don't think you need a union is the time you do need a union. But for me, the, it's the employees. If the employees want to unionize, then fucking go for it. 1000%. But if they don't, if everything's working the way they are, if they feel like they're getting their fair share of the profits, they're getting their fair share of hours, they're getting their fair share. There's, there's no need for protection. Like nothing's happened. Um, Let's 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 use you know what a a, a great example I'll, I'll throw in there that doesn't have a union that would one thousand percent become a union should they want it and I I will call it out by name and that's Eastern Market Ferndale Project they would allow a union to occur on their property with their staff if they wanted to unionize. But one thing we've noticed with this brewery, this brewery group, is that they they pay fair. They have great benefits. They do a lot for their employees um, to the point where they don't probably feel like they need a union to represent them. Um, in the chat, uh, you know, somebody is saying, you know, having employees that are trained to a specific standard for a specific skill level and pay scale uh, can be benefited from trade unions. And I agree. And there might be a spot for, say, a brewer's union. Um, like a, a trade segment of brewers within the state or brewers within the country. Um, because I have seen plenty of places that have looked for brewers that are paying like 30,000 a year. Um, and you need better collective bargaining than that to try to get someone to, to take that kind of job. But that's, I mean, that's just my opinion. That's just what what I believe, like I'm, I'm, I personally am 100% pro union, uh, but I don't think everywhere needs a union, but I think when you, when you need it, nothing should stop you. And I'll stop rambling, All right. Dan. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy. I don't know why I called Dan out. I just felt like. I uh, know exactly why you called me out, but. <laughs> so I'm going to say yes, Ken. I agree with everything that you just said. Um, except that I, you said you can't be eh, wishy-washy when it comes to the unions. And I think that, yeah, you can, because you just kind of made a wishy-washy statement. <laughs> you were like, we're pro, I'm pro union, but if you don't need it, you shouldn't have to have it. That's kind of the same thing. Hold, hold, on, hold, I, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got, I got to interrupt. I apologize. I do my best not to do it. Um, I know I do it a lot. It's just my personality, but I understand i try not to uh if you if you want a union you you need a union that is what i believe that's that's my like i, I might have said a lot of things but my statement is if you want a union you you should have a union and that i agree with i am not i cannot say that i'm pro-union because i also believe that if you're in a company that is paying the wages that you need and providing you the benefits that you need and treating you the way that you need to be treated, then you don't need a union. So um, I think it really is individual. It depends on the particular company that you're in, whether or not that union is needed. And that's all I'll say on that. Okay. Well, Rob, what about that you? Was, 
I mean, like I said, I I really wasn't sure because, you know, Dan brought up a, a pretty fair point about, you know, trying to understand what they need the union for. And I, I didn't go, I guess in my head, I didn't go that far big picture to think about that. And it really, it, I think it's just kind of what you said, Ken, is that if they want if employees want a union then by all means go for it and cre- and create one um I, I kind of um feel a little i don't know just a little apprehensive be- just simply because of what happened with the whole siri surly incident and how th- their employees tried to unionize and um you know whether it's coincidence or not you know they they shut down the location and some say that it shut down because it was COVID and there weren't enough people coming in and it was not, they couldn't justify keeping it open for the expenses. And the people who were trying to create the union are say, would say that they shut it down because we were trying to form a union. And it's at such a convenient time of when it happened that I don't know if we'll ever know which way it went, <laughs> but it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if they if they were able to? Because I believe they did do a vote to to try and, and try to unionize, and the vote failed. Um, so it would have been interesting to see, kind of, I don't know, just like a little bit more of a precedent to see what would have happened if they would have unionized, and maybe get like a, a glimpse of what they get out of it, and and see what employees everywhere else could could get. Um, so like. Like I said, it's it's if if they wanted to unionize, hell yeah, go for it. Um, if they don't, if they're if they're being treated fairly, they're getting paid fairly, um, and and they're not having any issues, then hey, everything is set, you're good, and you don't need to. But it's leave it up to leave it up to them to do it. Well, <laughs> oh, go ahead, Wendy. Go on. Wendy. Did I just go wishy washy? No, go on, Wendy. <laughs> So one of the things that I have found, I work for a company where we have a, uh, a portion of our staff is unionized. And one of the things that I have noticed that they provide that is definitely a bonus for the company and for the employees is training. They cover training that other companies don't allow and don't provide. So I think that's a good thing. Um, we've talked extensively about Um, the restaurant industry and how things need to change for the people that are working at those, the restaurants and not just breweries, but the whole industry as a, that industry as a whole, in my opinion, if there's any industry that needs a union, it might be the restaurants, the, the servers that are just being underpaid right now. Do you think we should just put them all, put everyone together, servers, um, waiters, staff, restaurant staff, and breweries, and just like have them all in the union? Well, I don't think for me necessarily, but I think that, I mean, it's something that they should look at. That's where unions come about. That's, That's where they make their mark is being able to standardize things in an industry. And this is definitely an industry that needs to see things change. from quite a few different perspectives i would agree with that 
you know, See, it's way too many incidents these past few years. Right. Yeah. Well, the, these last few years, there are a lot of different, a, a lot of different things just because, and I don't want to blame it on COVID, but a lot of it is because of COVID and a lot of people have taken advantage because of COVID, which we might say with Surly, or we might say with a certain point of sale company out of Boston, Massachusetts, um, you know, we might say these things, but we don't know for sure. Now, as as in our chat, and and I'm very very happy Brian decided to to watch us live tonight. Um, which go go check out ground Groundbreaker. Oh my God, he's gonna kill me if I was wrong. It was Groundbreaker, right? <laughs> yes, it is Groundbreaker. Yeah, Groundbreaker. It sounded it sounded right in my head. You, you were there. You were there. You had. But I'm like, is it gluten breaker? Is it? Is it- <laughs> It's gluten breaker. That's that's. I it. mean, that's a great name for a gluten free brewery. Um, gluten breaker. Ground. You know, he's he, he's in our chat. Go check out his previous episode. You can find it on YouTube and, of course, iTunes, Spotify, all that fun stuff. Um, and, and he said something that kind of resonated a little bit. And let's let's take it back to Tracy Rashad Evans over at Founders. They're not unionized. There was a huge issue, and there wasn't really any proper worker representation. Now, up until then, employees at Founders may not have believed they needed a union, but when you have a um, a colors printer um, and and a, a whites only <laughs> printer, um, allegedly, allegedly. Um, when you have those types of things, uh, somebody somebody had a sound go on. Uh, when you have those types of things, that's when you need employee representation. You need someone who's going to protect the employee and not HR who's looking in the best interest of the company. Because that's what HR does. HR is in the best interest of the company, not in the best interest of you. Um, Are you saying HR is not your friend? Is that oh, what you're I'm, telling I'm me? I'm 100% saying <laughs> HR is not my friend. <laughs> Uh, I, I had, which blows my mind now. And I'm going to tell you guys the story. I know we're going on a tangent and I know we're going long on this comp. So I had the idea of like boosting employee morale after hours, having like a cocktail hour at the site. Um, and I got almost written up for that. And then I go work for the next organization that has a fucking keg and full bar in the office. And I'm just like, I go from one extreme to the other and I'm like, this was supposed to be after hours and everyone's over 21. And you know, it, it, it kind of just blew my mind how I'm like, I asked HR, I'm like, you know, I would like to do this for my staff to boost morale. I'd like to do like a, uh, after hours, just cocktail reception. Everyone just kind of like relaxes, has fun. Um, and, and takes a load off while still building relationships and sure as shit, she went and told my boss and my boss almost wrote me up. <laughs> Um, you know, I needed employee representation and instead HR's, you know, snitching on me. Um, what's funny too is, is that she asked me, I think that depends on your HR. She, she asked me for a referral like a decade later too. And I'm like, get out of here. (laughs) I'm I'm still bitter. And it's been, uh, it's been over 10 years probably now. Um, uh, if that, if anybody else has anything else to say, feel free to do it. If not, I am going to pass it over to Wendy for her article. Yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, last week we talked about some different numbers in the beer industry that had come out from the Brewers Association. 
And I found an article that was actually a little bit older. It was from March 28th. Um, Kevin McGee, who is the president and CEO of Anderson Valley Brewing Company, uh, had an article on Rolling Stone's website um, called Trend Spotting in 2022, an insider's take on the quiet revolution going on in craft beer. And he had a he made a few observations about things that have happened uh, pre-COVID, during COVID, and what's going on uh, in the, the beginning of this year. Uh, but there were two things that he basically um, called out as what's going to happen this year. And I kind of wanted to get your guys' take on it. Uh, the first one was that craft breweries are getting back to fundamentals. And for a lot of them, that means the West Coast IPA. He said, um, I proposed an expert with time on their hands create the West Coast IPA release index so that those of us in the industry can all follow it in real time. And he said, yes, there will still be slime beers and exploding smoothies, but there will be fewer breweries relying on them as foundational revenue. So I thought it was interesting that he specifically called out the West Coast IPA. Have you guys noticed that showing up more and more at breweries around us? First off, I want to know where these exploding smoothies are at. That's what I really right. want to see more than anything. Oh, 450 North. I've seen plenty of them. <laughs> I, I, Smooge, my, Smooge has been holding okay. Smooge, Smooge There's been, been a couple fine, that have come out, though. But really? I, I believe it's 450 North that had like an entire... Mm like multitude of different cans that exploded. And I remember they recently announced how they fixed a lot of their issues with, uh, you know, additional fermentation while in the can, which would, you know, created these because they're having so much fruit in these beers, like actual fruit and not fruit flavor. Um, so I remember 450 North came out with a comment, I believe. And I remember Chicago Beer Blog, I think, came out with a TikTok that said, congratulations, you just did what everybody else has been managing to do for 100 years, make shelf-stable beer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's my little anecdote. It's hard when they add a lot of real fruit to oh, it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I guess now going to the, the West Coast IPAs now, um, uh, Eastern Market Brewing actually just put one on uh, in celebration of 420. I'm sorry, 420. Uh, it's their West Coast Hemp IPA. And, you know, I have pretty much have said that I don't like West Coast IPAs because they're they are Bad. way too piney. There's way too much resin. And it's just, I don't need this this hot bomb. But you know, in in my own true style with Eastern Market, every beer that they put up, I'm trying them all, and tried it. I still don't like the style. Um, I honestly don't know what they can do to West Coast IPAs that are going to get me to like them. Um, I just hope that you know, with the whole thing of going back to fundamentals, that. I can just get a regular ass pale ale or I can get a regular ass IPA. So um, I've seen or, more of that. <laughs> just well, like give me a regular Amber. So. <laughs> isn't the whole difference between a West coast and a new England is the West coast puts the hops in the boil and the new England, they come in after and secondary. I think that's the whole difference between the two. So you like them to add the hops after post boil into the secondary to get that flavor versus throwing it right in. Yeah, because I mean, it's just 
it reminds me, I mean, basically, it is just so piney. Uh, to, like, all it does is just remind me of up north. And we know I don't go up north. In well, up, no, up north to you is like 12 miles. So, I mean, what kind of IPs are they making at 12 mile, Rob? No, it is M, it is M59 for those who are local. <laughs> Everything north of M59 is, is up north. And I just... I just That's Pontiac I IPA. I don't. It, it's like it's like when I went out when I went out to Portland, and I'm going to go back out to Portland, uh, Oregon next month. And going into the store, and all I see are IPAs, and they're like, "Hey, there's something I can help you with." And I said, "Yeah, I want a beer that doesn't taste like I have a fucking pine cone in my mouth the entire time." <laughs> and that's what a West Coast IPA is to me. It's just like, why don't I just squirrel up and just eat one of these fucking things? What, I don't just feel like the hops punched me in the face. <laughs> right. I don't. I don't need to get punched in the face by hops. It's just. It's just not. It's just not me. So, I mean, if West Coast IPA comes back. Everybody enjoy it. Have fun and enjoy. It. It's just I I will not be a part of that revolution. <laughs> I will say that when I was in Seattle, I had a few IPAs that I that were west west coast IPAs that I definitely enjoyed. I really think it does have to do with the hop and which hop they're using. I feel like you yeah. can just strain pour them all, but. <laughs> Let me know when that revolution starts. I'll help pour all those bitches down the drain. Maybe Lord. maybe we need to start a trend of West Michigan, because you know, we got the, the long coastline, West Michigan Coast IPA. And uh or coast. do it with uh what what's a good Michigan hop, like a Centennial or a Chinook or something like that. And there you go. We got we got a West Michigan Coast IPA. Because we just got to be a I bet we could find one of those out there. I'm sure it exists. All we got to do is just go to try to think. What's a a West Coast IPA house in Michigan? Who makes piney as fuck IPAs in Michigan these days? Royal Oak Brewing Brewer used to. I don't know if they still do. Yeah, but. It still does. I mean, I mean. As as much as the the Rob does that, it's it's definitely more true to style than you know just trying to be a trendsetter. Like Royal Oak Brewery, you can walk in there and still get like an English Mild and all beer and uh, an IPA all in the same day, and I'd be happy because the first two. <laughs> like I said they can they can enjoy those IBUs. I I'm not gonna. I'm not going to shit on the beer, except if you can, try to put it in, in my face and make me drink it. Can we retire IBUs now? Because it's such a worthless <laughs> number these days. It used to be the only thing. Yeah, it used to be the only thing people thought of. But but you could get a high, you could get a, a fucking American brown and the IBUs will be tiny and it'll be piney as fuck. And you can go get some juicy, hazy IPA with 110 IBU, and it's going to taste like fucking uh, Sunkist. <laughs> Fair. All right. With that, I, I, I'm going to move on to the second point that he made in the article. Sorry, Wendy. It was uh, <laughs> that the meaning of craft of the craft beer label continues to erode. So he said the definitions craft brewery and craft beer have become entirely confused and the importance of the craft label has eroded. Craft beer has generally been defined as beer made by a craft brewer. And that's where the problem is. As the industry has has evolved, the old definition of a craft brewery as a brewery that is small and independent got muddy. 
is ownership by a private equity firm with a three-year investment harvest horizon more import, more independent than being owned by a large brewery corporation. And I think that's kind of important looking at some of the um, mergers and acquisitions that we've seen just here in Michigan. So I'm wondering what your guys' take on that is. Uh, so for a second, I thought this was, you had mentioned it at the beginning, but this was some person writing some op-ed, but instead it's Kevin McGee, the president and CEO of Anderson Valley Brewing Company. I I am 100% going to say Back on episode one, we had this discussion. You can go on our YouTube page. You can find it. It's the Michigan Brewers Guild with Eric Brigaman. And he said there is a difference between craft and crafty. And now, 200 some odd episodes later, you know, we have understood the fact that one independent is the term that matters the most to a lot of people. Two, even that term gets so muddled because when you take the two top ones, which is Dogfish Head slash Boston Beer Co. and Yingling, two huge ones followed by everyone else, as well as all of the, uh, not collaborations, um, uh, the groupings of breweries. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the name of it, but like Canarchy and Duval uh. and... The conglomerates Conglo- of sorts. Yeah, I mean, conglomerates has like such a negative it's, connotation. Yeah, it's it's kind of too corporate. But I, 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 mean, I wouldn't say canarchy is a conglomerate as much as just a a collaboration of breweries. A, um, a craft umbrella. Craft umbrella. <laughs> that's that's good. But like episode one, episode what five when we had the craft check app guys on. This was before the craft boom boom hit. Um, like. It, it, it we know that the craft beer industry is muddled and I don't know if he's just trying to like just state the obvious or he just learned it um but I I just if you don't know what craft beer is now you I I don't know what to tell you but in the same <laughs> sense you know which beers are craft beers like there there really isn't a What's that blue raspberry beer that was just just tastes like fucking Tussin? Um, that was an Anheuser Busch beer, Wild Blue. Do you oh, guys not know what I'm talking beer? about? No, I have no idea. I have no oh, idea God. what you're talking about. Oh my! Thankfully, God. no. I what tend not to do? buy anything that has Budweiser on it, though. So, but you wouldn't have <laughs> noticed it because just it would have been just like the um, like Killian's. Because you wouldn't have known Killian's as Cor- Molson Coors if you're just a standard, everyday kind of person. Um, That's true. Just as much as how many bars say Killian's is imported. Yeah. Um, or craft. <laughs> they call it craft where I'm from. So, yeah, there there is a... There, there were some muddled at the beginning, like 20, 2010 to 2015, I say. But now, um, I mean, if... I don't think there's really any most of those play like Shock Top and Lining not Lining Kugels. Or Lining Kugels is Bolson Cores, isn't it? Those organizations definitely fill their umbrella. So if you're gonna bitch about Elysian being Anheuser Busch, whatever. Um they're not they're, it's Elysian. It's Goose Island, it's Atwater. You know, they're not trying to be Anheuser Busch. They're just they are what they are. Um I'm really I'm I'm 
talking and I should be trying to find this fucking beer because it's really so annoying. You, you look for that beer and I'm gonna know. tell you I'm gonna tell you my last point that he said that I that okay. really stood out to me in the sun in the All article. Right. He said the optics behavior and ownership structures of some of some craft brewers have begun looking an awful lot like the macro brewery brands that were such a vivid counterpoint to the craftiness of craft. This undermines the impact of calling something craft and has been helped along by the macros acquiring some of their own craft brands. But, you know, it's like the, the craft brands. Yeah, they're they're in their craft. They're independent, but they're trying to make money. Yeah. And exactly. If, how else are they going to make money unless they make themselves appealing in a way that. I don't want to say like gives off that air of macro, but macro has been successful. They continue to be successful. They're not falling off of a bridge anytime soon. Um, Some of that success that they have is, I think it just rubs off on the other breweries and they in a way have to mimic that to like, like what are they going to do? What else are they going to (laughs) do? They have to, they have to do something to make money. We have a definition of craft, but are you going to sit here and tell me that Goose Island, Bourbon County, you know, West Livet, 12 barrel age birthday stout is not craft beer? Bullshit. According to a lot of people, they will scream that. According to a lot of people, it's not. And that's, I mean, that's something that even I, before we interviewed Goose Island, I might have been one of those people who said, oh, I'm not going to buy that anymore because they sold out until I talked to him and actually learned a little bit about what was going on, I might not have known that they're still, it's still the same people making the beer. (laughs) It's still those same people out of Chicago living there, doing their thing, making the beer, and they just have a bigger umbrella for marketing for them. Is it craft? is the question. And I believe I believe the Brewers Association did it correct by changing the name of craft to independent. Because what people cared about is is it independent? Yes. I agree no. with that. Is it craft? I, again, if you're going to sit here and tell me that fucking uh uh, I'm trying to think of uh, a random Wicked Weed. Holy shit. Anything at Wicked Weed's Funkatorium is not craft beer bullshit. Sorry, bullshit. Right. Are you well, going to tell me it's not the same thing can be said about St. Adams. But that's the thing, too, is that the same people who will bitch about a lesion not being craft will also say Sam Adams isn't craft or Yingling isn't craft. Even though, like, because everyone would be like, oh, well, the Brewers Association changed their rules to allow for them to be craft. I mean, no, bullshit. Yingling built up in, uh, in a fucking giant-ass industry behind them. Um, you know, Sam Adams, one of the very few brewers we still have not talked to on this show. Um, we've right tried. Up, oh, oh, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> Pretty close. Spo- spoiler alert. It's going to happen <laughs> sooner or later. Um, I just think back to the Jim Cope email days when we were trying to get a hold of him. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, like you, you can't sit here, you know, we are a craft beer podcast, but we've talked to Tenth and Blake. We've talked to um, Goose Island. Like we've talked to massive breweries because they are craft beer. 
don't fucking tell me Atwater is not craft beer. You might hate them. You might think uh, other words for them, but they're craft. Independent, it's, it's just, no. I'll give you that. Right. That's that's I, I that's why when when I thought this person was talking that you brought up the article, um, I thought he was like just some op-ed person writing a, a thing on Rolling Stone, but instead, no, it's it's a person who works for Anderson Valley, which we know Anderson Valley very well, and um, it just blows my mind that that's still the sentiment. Maybe that's old guard talking. Maybe that's. Be- um, he's not new to the industry. No, <laughs> maybe that's just old, old guard, old uh, gatekeeping craft beer uh, type of personality. Because we we know Blue Moon is not craft beer anymore. Like people know this, but they drink it. Because but if they you like go to the brewery, you see that they are very much so craft. Oh, the the Blue Moon Brewery. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like all the. I, I mean, I have a picture. I'm pretty sure I posted it on our website about or on our social media about all the different beers that we had when we were there. We probably had 30 different beers between the four of us that are not the Blue Moon beer that you see in the store because they have way more than just Belgian white. I'm, I'm just going to like for, for me and I'll end it here. Anybody else can talk, but I'll end my rants my rant portion of everything. Cause I'm, I'm definitely on it today. Uh, my, my, my soapbox is tall and I am screaming large. Um, no, it, these breweries, like it doesn't matter. It just, if you like it, it's a good beer. Yeah. North center brewing, Northville, Michigan. If you Episode like it, two. it's a good beer. Episode two, check it out. That's just, that's just all it is. Like that we, you can't gatekeep anymore because if you gatekeep someone from trying to drink blue moon, they'll never fucking drink brew Detroit. They'll never drink any, you know, they'll never go to bells Oberon. You, you, Pretty story. you, you, you know, you say, Oh, Killian's ugh, then they'll never fucking try corner man. And this beer is amazing, but they'll never try it because you were like, oh, well, you know, you, you're just drinking big beer. So instead, I'm going to go drink $2 pints of Bud Light somewhere. I got nothing. <laughs> That's it. That was, that, was, that, was, that was good enough for me right there. I'm good. It's, it's I think we all agree with that. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. this 11% beer that's hitting me pretty hard. Boom. <laughs> what's next, Ken? Uh, what's next for beer? What's next for articles? <laughs> Yeah, what's next for beer? First off, uh, I got nothing. I'm not drinking anything else on this show. Everything else will be <laughs> post show for sure. Uh, my article, on the other hand, uh, Athletic Brewing is partnering with a, a company called uh, Ariba, I believe, to make a a non alcoholic michelada called uh, non alcoholada or alcoholada nada. There we go. Um, so they're going to be making a, a non alcoholic michelada. Uh, available on shelves. This is going to be uh, basically a non-alcoholic version of a Michelada uh, available for people. Bevmo, HEB is going to be able to get it. Um, Chilada Nada is available in Texas, Arizona, and South Carolina. Um, And it's going to be direct to consumers on their website. Obviously, we can't get it here in Michigan. Um, But my question to Dan, I guess, on this show, if you're watching the video, is just him and I. Dan, 
Yeah. Non-alcoholic RTDs. Do you think we could get them? Do you think that's a segment that could populate with the way that uh, a a single non-alcoholic brewery like Athletic can become the you know a top twenty-five brewery in the country? I don't know. Non-alcoholic RTD. Who's really going to drink that? I mean. I don't know what goes into that. So I know nothing about non-alcoholic spirits or what you do with them or even how they taste. Cause I'm just like, what's the point? So there's, but, there's plenty of non-alcoholic spirits like Monday and seed lip and ritual um, for like whiskey or gin. And I'm using air quotes here on the, the camera. If you guys <laughs> can't watch it on, if you're watching the podcast, go check out the YouTube. So, but the thing is, is that you're, you're expecting the flavor. So if you could get me a, a gin and tonic, so basically a juniper flavor and tonic, you know, you might go and you drink it. Because one, there's a huge population of, uh, you have religious people who don't drink. You have recoveries who may look for a drink that want the flavor. Um, you have, like, look at me. I, I wasn't able to drink due to medical reasons for seven months, eight months. And I didn't fucking want the booze. I wanted the taste. I wanted the flavor. Um, and I think folks that are in our age bracket are more geared towards flavor as opposed to, um, you know, uh, intoxication per dollar. So do you, I mean, uh, Man, you, you laugh, but you know, what I I'm laugh. Saying. No, I, I know exactly. You're right. That's why I'm laughing. And it's like, yeah, I used to think that way, but. That's something I moved away from looking for the cheapest drink to get the what that's the strongest for the most value. Yeah, are, are wells yeah. a dollar a, a drink and you're going to drink four at a time or, you know, are you going to go and be like, because because remember when when we were given the opportunity to drink or drink good. We drank good when we were at Luna, which is a local bar in Royal Oak, and it was $2 you call it. Our choice was $2 for literally any drink in the bar, and we're drinking two hearteds and amber ales from Bell's. Yep. Yep. Like, or the we, good old Ciroc. Yeah. We were drinking because we wanted the flavor. We wanted the quality. Yeah. We wanted that. And not necessarily because of the price, but that's just, hey, this is the price. This is what you're going to get. We liked the the flavor more than the price. So yeah. I You did not go the direction I thought you were going to go when you brought up Luna. Oh. <laughs> Was it free drink night? Because we used to go for free drink night, too. Um, well, I was thinking about the fact that we used to drink um, Long Islands at City Club because it was $5 and... Oh, that was a whole different game. That was drinking yeah. the double fisting the pitchers of Budweiser and hitting people over the head with them when they're empty. That, that was, was that kind of situation. That's, that's also well, I never did that. A different facility <laughs> because that place was open till four, as well as there was the diner that was in front that you could continue to to sober up before you went home. Um, so you you might have been drinking per or intoxication per dollar, I think is the the phrase that I used. But I, I was there a few years before you too. Uh, I mean, I was probably, but I was still there in two thousand four. So, uh, I, Dan brought me young. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here, here we go. Drinking in the parking structure. I can at least get yeah. myself to the parking structure. Yeah. So that's that's dating. Um, parking wow. structure. Oh yeah, yeah. Before we still that had tour- to enter through the pool. Definitely when I was going, uh, but but for me, like, do you guys think that non-alcoholic RTDs, so basically, you know, flavor probably flavored seltzers, flavored, you know, I, I would love a 
uh, for, for me, if you could figure out a way to get me a non-energy drink version, and this is going to be funny to y'all, of a fucking Red Bull and vodka, non-alcoholic, <laughs> non-caffeinated Red Bull and vodka, I'd be down. I loved my Red Bull and vodkas. And I, I don't uh, know what I'm going to do because I haven't gone to Vegas since I gave up energy drinks. Oh, boy. And that would be my 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 six and seven a.m. drink of choice when I'm uh, playing pie gal at the table. But do you think, as Athletic brings out their their NA Michelada, uh, an NA RTD category, can it exist anywhere? And I'm going to start with Rob. I mean, it can exist. It definitely can exist. It just succeed. I don't can know. It succeed this, oh, succeed. Can it succeed? Um, you know, kind of looking back to uh, what was it? Was it Budweiser that came out with the Micheladas? Um, and I was like, there was a couple other brands that came out. Yeah, with Budweiser um, had like a tall boy <laughs> too of it. Yeah, I, I, I hope that that doesn't necessarily poison the well. When when athletic puts this out, um, I I just I don't know. It, it kind of seems. I, I think it could work. I just I don't know how big the market is going to be for it, considering you know where the market share is for non-alcoholic right now. I mean, it's it it's still it, it's still kind of you know still da- obviously. Numbers throughout, whether alcoholic or non-alcoholic, beer, non-alcoholic beer, seltzer, numbers are down all the way throughout. Um, so I, I think you could pull something. I just I think it just it's going to be one of those things where it needs to stay in the region. It, it needs to probably stay somewhere southwest uh, in the country. Keep it down there. See what happens. And then you know, branch it out in 2023 and, and, you know, take it really slow. Cause I don't know, as, as I think as successful as the NA beers that athletic has made, which I haven't had a bad one from them yet. Um, that I, I think it could, it could definitely pass the, the litmus test, but a Michelada, not necessarily my thing. I, I, I don't need uh, my I don't need a, a non-alcoholic sal- salsa. Uh, you don't so. like your clamato. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to drink that. I could I could actually potentially put on nachos. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't like people enjoy it. It's just that that's I wouldn't say it's up there with the West Coast IPAs, but it's just it's it's not it's not my my taste. So. But I, but I think it's something like just keep it where, you know, Micheladas are generally popular and see what and let it grow from there. And, and yeah, I think it can succeed if, if they if they do it, something like that instead of like going like complete full natural national distros. I don't know what would happen with that. No, my thoughts. Dan, uh, we've been chatting for a minute. And yeah. I know I know you have an article. What, what do you want to talk about? I do. So I, this caught my attention today. I thought it was pretty interesting. A consortium of six global keg supply chain companies announced today that the formation of the Steel Keg Association, 
a marketing-focused nonprofit with a global, with a, excuse me, with a goal of increasing the volume of beer and other beverages served via stainless steel keg was formed. Um, basically, uh, the beer industry, they feel, needs to take advantage of the moment and make sure that we are not losing momentum to wine and spirits because the people are going to be there in bars and restaurants, the founder said. Basically, what they're getting at is they think pushing uh, beer in kegs is the way to go moving forward. Um, they feel like they're losing out against spirits and wine currently because, as we were just talking about, beer is on a downswing um, versus some of these other um Beverages like RTDs, wine, you know, even the non-alcoholics are starting to move into there. Um, interesting thing they said when I was reading this, uh, when you see a tap wall that is half empty, that's a signal to the customer that there may not that may not be a winning category as those have been filling up and look the way it's supposed to. Um, those have not been filling up and look the way it's supposed to uh, for a perfect showcase of beer. So, you know, this really got me thinking, you know, so if you if you're not going to a like a, a tap house, somewhere that's got 40, 50, 60, whatever kegs they have or whatever taps they have, how are you going to push um, keg sales versus, you know, bottles, cans when say your normal bar is going to have four or five, maybe six taps where they're already going to have your Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, Mick Ultra, things like that. How can you possibly push getting more beer uh, via draft um, when you just don't have the capacity. I feel like they're a little short-sighted with this because you're just going to try and push out these restaurants or these bars who are serving in bottles and cans. and They don't have the capacity to actually increase the number of kegs that they have on tap without a huge expense to them. So I'm curious what you guys think. Are they going down the right path with trying to push kegs more or are they a little bit short-sighted like i think damn yeah it's a tough one it really is and you know the show you know is called better on draft i agree with that beer a lot of times is better on tap but how do you how do you push that into a into a bar that has five taps and ask them to take off pbr when they're going through kegs like that like crazy for other options well is it saying craft beer or draft beer so draft beer so maybe i'm reading into it more than they actually talk about but trying to push more kegs in general onto bars that have limited limited capacity to do that is gonna not really work out so well in the end i feel like the death of the poorhouse is about to 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 take its final nail um, I think unless you have a shtick like Detroit Beer Exchange um, or you have a, a solid foundation like Brown Iron Brewhouse, um, I, I think you're going to you're going to look in and like a 16 tap set is going to be the the standard, the base and no more, no less. Like the, the less places are going to be reserved for your Moose Lodges, your VFWs, your places, you know, your dive bars that only you're going to have like a four to eight. Uh, tap setup but like 16 is going to be the max there's still plenty of places for you to put in the 16 barrels and if you have a proper knowledge of the industry i think you could pull it off to where you know what you, you take the killians off for uh, uh, a week and you put on bell's amber or you take blue moon off and you put on you know bell's oberon uh, i don't know why i keep going to bell's but that's just how it went um <laughs> 
you know, you you take a you, you take off Killian's and you you put Bobby English on from North Center Brewing over in Northville, Michigan. Like there are ways for you to do it where you can push it, but I I don't think we're going to see. I I don't know. I think as people get back into because you can get you can get bottles at home, you can get cans at home. You not many people have a fucking kegerator at home. Therefore, when you go to a bar, I think you're going to start leaning more towards the draft beer. I think you're going to start looking at draft beer a little bit more. I think you're going to start looking at your draft beer options a little bit more. Because I can go home and I can go, you know, whatever you sell on draft, I can go home and get it in a can or a bottle. So why would I buy it in a can or a bottle, though? Like, whatever you have in a can or a bottle, I definitely can get in a can or a bottle. Um, And since we believe beer is better on draft, I think people, as they get back into the bars, get back into uh, hanging out publicly, uh, I, I... don't agree to the levels that they are seeing on this this Rubon article that you posted. Um, but yeah, I think I, I don't think you're really pushing draft beer on the the bar as much as I feel like the consumer wants draft beer again. I mean, what what about Rob? Let's let's I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it to you because I know you have definitely been a little bit more um, at home. You haven't necessarily gone out too much. Obviously, you've got 84 kids. Um, but for you, when you're going out and you're hosting trivia, are you're still you're going towards the drafts, aren't you? I mean, that that's basically what what is there. I mean, at, at both of my locations is that, you know, it is um, especially with with my uh, my Monday show. Well, let, let's say you're going to Herman's. Yeah, that's a craft so, beer go- bar. It is pretty much a yes. That is a craft beer bar. Um, they still sell their fair share of Miller, Coors, PBR, uh, but they do their best to highlight um, all of their, you know, their their craft selections. And they don't really do anything where. And I guess the thing I was thinking was like with all of these kegs, uh, you know, as you're taking them on and, and putting putting some off, put taking some on that you should start doing some some wacky things like you know Wednesday nights is is um is Bobby English night we're, we're just like it's going to be um what's McCall it's going to be 3 bucks a pint and we're just going to we're just going to hit all of that and then just like switch it back to um like some some odd side my mocha I, I don't know uh but yeah but but Herman's does put on quite a few uh of their craft their their craft beers and almost every week there is, I would probably say maybe four different kegs. There, there are some things that are always on. Um, one of which, of course, is um, what you call it, uh, Red Rye from um, Charlotte Street Brewing, which of course goes by their their other name. Um, and there's a couple other, like a couple bells that they have, but they do a lot of they do put on a lot of kegs there's stuff from untitled arts there's there's stuff from um drafting table there's stuff from eastern market um witch's hat it just goes all the way throughout so they put on quite a bit and it, it obviously it gets it gets drank so i i would think that it i don't know it part of it part of me does think that this is a bit short-sighted because you know yeah, we're kind of we're getting to the getting endemic in a way, but 
the people who used to have to go out post COVID now see that they really don't have to go any fucking where. And we're going to stay home. I'm going to get my shit from DoorDash and I've got my beer here. I, I don't need to go out. So there's still kind of, I think that contingency, that population to deal with where there's going to be still a good chunk of people who no longer is going to keep, is going to be going out anymore. So, so would and, you say that like off premise sales are still going to say hi with the, you know, people not going out anymore, but on premise will probably lead more towards draft versus bottle and can. Would that be a fair statement? That would be a fair statement. Dan, I think that would be a fair. This statement. is your article. One more time. Ask it again. I'm sorry. I was reading something. In That's it. okay. I know how much you don't care about this show. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Off premise is going to still stay at a higher level than pre COVID, but on premise draft will be higher than bottle and can. You know, that's a good question. I wish, do we have numbers that showed? I'm looking through here and I don't see anything about that. What the I numbers mean, were is, like this pre-COVID. Is, this is one time where I probably could have gone and asked uh, uh, Bart. I was about to say Bart Starr. <laughs> Bart Starr, the old quarterback. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. What's his take on Bart, this? Bart Watson over at the Brewers Association <laughs> and ask him. And maybe I'll uh, I'll try to reach out before we post this show. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, we, we do not have numbers. So I'm curious because you think the tap house is dying out here. It's exploding. They're opening up left and right. It feels like every, when, when I say tap house, I'm referring to a true poor house, 100 plus. So we, Hop, yeah. Hopcat. Your yeah, Hopkins, so. your West 50, your I mean there there's all, all over the, the country, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, so there are a lot of places like that. They may not have a hundred, but when we're talking 80, 75 in there, there are they are opening up, it feels like every month out here. So there really? are quite a few. Yeah. I, and I think we talked about that before. Where it seems to be dying up there, it's it's kind of a big thing out here still. So I mean, maybe it's about the same, at least if I look at it from what I see out here. Um, I mean, those places are packed again like they were in December of 2019. So I don't know if it's grown, but it's definitely staying the same. It's tough to say. Uh, we're, we're running up against time. Wendy, I want to know your opinion. On what? The, which, the, which opinion do you want me to <laughs> Just give us an opinion. Do I think that poorhouses are going out of style? No, I think that we're going to see, well, maybe yes. The hundred plus, I don't think we'll ever see that because I think that that trend came up pretty quick and we saw so many of them just not be able to go through those kegs fast enough that they, it was, it it just didn't go well. So, but I do think that we will still continue to see like i think um there's one that just opened up down river and there's other places that we can go to that we can still get multiple beers on draft and i don't know about you guys but when i go out i like to try a bunch of different stuff so i like the fact that it's on draft just because i can get it in different sizes 
So I can try a smaller size and see if I actually like it. And I can maybe have five or six different smaller sizes instead of having one or two big beers while I'm out for the night. And I think a lot of people will continue to go with that trend just because we haven't been out for so long. Uh, We have one final question from the chat. Tito Hoffman wanted to ask, we'll go through all this and then we'll end the show. Uh, And and I'm curious what it'll be like between Detroit and Arizona. Will we see keg taps come back to the beer store? And will we be able to fill a growler at a store anytime soon? Um, Let's pretend, let's pretend COVID is now uh, quote unquote, the flu. And we are just at a yearly COVID strand strain. Um, are we going to see taps back at the beer store? Like Zutuna Liquor carried it, Holiday carried it. Um, what was that place in Warren uh, that used to carry really good craft beer? Um, they were like the first people to start selling draft beer in Growlers too. I can't think of the name of it. It's over by Coon. And how come? How come you guys aren't helping me here? Because I have no idea. <laughs> eight degrees? I, no, it's not eight degrees. No. This, this was in Warren. This was over at yeah, like 13 so it's eight degrees. No, eight, there's no eight degrees in Warren. There's eight degrees in Ferndale, and there's eight degrees in Detroit. Come on, Wendy, you're better than this. Um, I don't remember one in No, in... when we went to Coonan's, we went to eight degrees. I mean, I live next door basically to eight degrees in Ferndale, yeah, so I know the one you're talking okay. about. There's I, eight I do degrees not. at Ferndale and eight degrees in Detroit. I oh, I, I, okay. for, I I did say I don't. I, I don't know where we went in Warren then, but we were at Coonan's before we went there. Uh, I I I guess remember I, the store, but can, I'll figure it out by the time Rob finishes talking. So go, Rob. All right. Um. So pretty much, and there are a couple other stores because I know obviously eight degrees Detroit. I think they still do it. Um, and there's actually a store not that far from me in Livonia called uh, Beer Baron uh, that, as far as I know, they still do uh, do those because they, they still have the board lit up uh, with different beers in there. Uh, as far as some of them coming back, I kind of don't feel Holiday is going to bring theirs back, even though I thought their selection was always top notch. You know, shout out to Ashley, who's you know obviously not there anymore. Uh, but he he would always put on some some pretty damn good beers. Um, there was another one that that I was thinking of that that doesn't do it anymore. Um, but I, it could and that could actually help with those getting those kegs pushed out. Um, that maybe it'll come back, but I just. I think it's still it might still be too soon. This this might be like a 2024 thing where where these really start to come back where everyone really feels like things are kind of back to like fully back to normal and we're just uh, it's it's like like you said Ken we're we just have a, a the the standard strain where there where it's basically like a flu shot every year. So I, oh my I God, think it's still Why did you say every year? People are going to flip out. <laughs> Because that's what the flu shot is, is every year. It's just that the flu strain changes. <laughs> it's just, just what it is. <laughs> uh, was it was it champagnes? 
Champagne's over on Chicago. Yes, I believe it was. Is that over by Coonan's? Yes. Yes, then that's the place that I went. It's it's a giant ass store. It was kind of huge, like right before the craft beer hit. Yeah, Champagne's wine cellars used to have draft beer, used to have craft beer, used to have everything. They are closed. That was annoying. Also, talking about uh, previous, uh, the beer that I was talking about, the blue raspberry beer, was called Wild Blue by Anheuser-Busch, which is a fruit beer. Apparently, it's got a 3.1 out of 5 on Untapped, which is a perfect score for a lager. That's going to do with the new segment, but on track 422. <laughs> no matter what you think of your beer, we think it's... I want to say thank you so much, Tito and Brian, for joining in the chat. Better on draft. Have a good night. <laughs> Folks, you can join us each and every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern where we have our interview followed by the news segment over at facebook.com forward slash better on draft, twitch.tv forward slash bod podcast, and better on draft.tv. Find us on all of our social medias, better on draft on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and now TikTok. That's just better on draft. You can friend us on Untapped to see what we are drinking, bod podcast. And of course, you can join our Reddit community. That's Reddit r slash better on draft as well as our facebook group join and discuss with us today's hot topics we appreciate our sponsors the tuna liquor in rochester hills just south of m59 on rochester road and north center brewing over in northville michigan just south of baseline road and this month's special sponsor world expo to beer you can go friday or saturday tickets still available come find us over there we will have our own table cheers and we'll see you soon